Welcome, everybody, to the GBO Podcast, where we're talking Gamecock basketball only. Brought to you by Modern Exterminating. We know what bugs you. As always, I'm Sumter. And I'm Bryce. And this week, we got a special guest here on the pod. We have Buck from the Rubber Chickens blog and Twitter account. Buck, how are you doing today? Doing great, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, good to Good to be back on the airwaves again. It's been a while. I mean, all your following and all the ladies, do they miss your, uh, you know, you and the guys getting together? Yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, we, we've, we've done a few things over the years that people kind of ping us about and say, hey, you bringing this back? Are you doing this? Or I, I think our, our football butt rankings are probably the most demanded thing. You know, the more, the more juvenile, the more demand there is for it, it, it seems. Well, maybe one day we can, those, those the, were, uh, we can start the butt rankings for the basketball, SEC basketball. Is that possible? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I know where I would, I know where we could start with that one too. <laughs> it would just be too sad because, because of where South Carolina would be every week. Right. <laughs> that would be right. perfect when Frank Martin was the coach though, for the butt rankings. I feel like that would have been pretty spot on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks for joining us this week. We're gonna we got to start off the week of um, basketball. I guess we'll call this week two or feast week. They like to call on ESPN. The uh, it was gonna be a sad pod today, but the women went out to uh, Palo Paliato, Palo Alto, Palo Alto. There you go, and they go and they take Stanford to overtime and win it. Buck, what were your thoughts on the women's game today? That. I mean, for most of the game, I mean, I think we were losing for 99% of the game. You know, it was it was similar to when Stanford came in last year. I, I think, you know, we, we fell behind. They hit a bunch of threes early. And uh, I believe on the broadcast, they said we were down by as many as 18 at home last year. So, uh, yeah, Stanford jumped on us. A lot of size on that team. Um, you know, I, I think that's usually one area where we have a, a really big advantage, but they had a, uh, a lot of tall players. They blocked a lot of shots, disrupted a lot of shots. And, you know, I, I kind of felt like Stanford was the better team for most of the day. Uh, but I was, I was thinking about this after the game was over. I, I think <clears throat> for people who follow women's basketball and don't like South Carolina, we have just become that team. You know, I'm sure we are extremely hateable because we never lose. You know, e- even when it looks like we're going to lose, you know, we find a way to come back and win. It's like the, the Tom Brady Patriots or, you know, Duke basketball or North Carolina basketball. I think I think South Carolina women's basketball has hit this realm where they just find a way to win. You know, no no matter who it is or where it is, they just they know how to win basketball games. Yeah, I totally agree with you on this. Like watching this game, it, it was so much. It, it was like how UConn used to beat us all the time. Was just like. We stole this from Stanford, and uh, they were up on us. They were beating us the whole game, and we just didn't go away. We didn't go away. Kept getting some rebounds, kept hanging in there. They weren't able to to get it, you know, greater than 10 points, and then we were there at the end and just took it from them. And if it wasn't for – I thought, you know, Cameron Brink was the MVP of the game overall, the best player on the court. And, I mean, if she doesn't foul out, that might be a different game in OT. 
Yeah, if I never see her again, which I'm I'm sure if we make it to the final four, we will see her again. But uh, she's she's a pain in the neck. And uh, yeah, it, it, I, I tell you, I was I don't know if you guys noticed the the rotation. I actually tweeted something about this. The, the rota- some of the rotations that Dawn used today were very Frank Martin esque. It was kind of like you look you looked at, you looked on the court and you thought. Why did she decide to put those five people on the court together at the same time? And and one of them was was Olivia Thompson, who I'm a huge Olivia Thompson fan. And I'm always like, why don't we get her in, you know, sometime before the last two minutes of every game? And then she came in in the first half and she drained a three. And then she was on the court probably for most of the last, I don't know, five to seven minutes of regulation. And I think we kind of found out why she's not on the court more. I mean, she bricked a couple of threes and she, I I think the moment may have just have been a little too big for her, but you know, Victoria, Victoria Saxton, we didn't see her hardly at all down the stretch. We didn't see uh, uh, Ashlyn Watkins the entire game. I don't think she did. Did she come in at any point? I don't think I ever saw her play. Just a few. Did she? Okay. She she played Um, in the second quarter and When Boston was on the bench for the whole second quarter, Watkins played. And she actually had some serviceable minutes. She had a good block, and she had a rebound and a putback in the second yeah. quarter. But, uh, but yeah, it, they were strange lineups all the, way, all the way down. I mean, even the lineup that she closed with in overtime, I want to say it, it was before Boston fouled out. She went with – it was Boston, Amaher, um, Bree Hall, Bree Beal, and Cook were were in the game, and I just thought that uh, that normally, like like Bree Hall, that's the most playing time in crunch minutes we've ever seen her. And then in overtime, I mean, she hit two big threes. Like that's the reason they pulled away. If she doesn't yeah. make both of those, we don't win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, this was this was Bree Hall's coming out party, and I mean, she she stroked both of those balls with with confidence. I think she had three threes all together. Uh, and she looked like a player, uh, and, and on the defensive end, he was incredible. I, I don't know if you noticed, he was, uh, he was dynamite on defense as well. Um, so I, I, I think we'll see, I still, still get a lot more playing time, uh, for the rest of the year, I would imagine. Well, she was, she was, she played a lot in the fourth quarter and the team defense in the fourth quarter was absolutely outstanding like Stanford didn't score from the start of the fourth quarter to the media timeout and then and then from the media timeout to the end of the game they held them to seven points and I want to say like five of them were Cameron Brink free throws like right they were that's how they came back it was not an offensive you know like like showing and last year when they uh when we came back on them at home, you know, it was, it was an offensive explosion in the third quarter and we really took it to them. Whereas this year we just wore them down basically and just stayed aggressive, kept fighting. And that's this team's identity, which it's gotta be frustrating to play us. Yeah. Yeah. I think Stanford scored seven points in the fourth quarter, if I recall correctly. And, you know, for the number, for the number two team in the country, to put up seven points in any quarter is uh, that's, that's some doggone good good defense for sure. And it was a kind of a weird game 
Zaya Cook didn't have her shot all night, but defensive wise, you can't take her off the court because she was, you know, running around all through those screens on defense, but the shots weren't falling for her. But I mean, without her defense, and then of course Bree Beal missed defense on the team. I mean, it was defense that kind of won the game, even though we got down like you know, the beginning of overtime. Well, I guess before we even get to that. The fourth quarter itself, outside of them making free throws, I think they didn't score their first bucket until maybe a minute or two left in the fourth. And that was the only yeah. reason we were able to come back down from, what, 10, 12 points? And yeah. And then Boston did what Boston always does and makes clutch shots when you need them. I know. It's funny. You, you look up and Aaliyah Boston's got, like, two points and four rebounds and you're thinking, well, she's not having a very good game. And then, you know, in the blink of an eye, she's got 14 points and 10 rebounds. And it's just like, she, uh, she you know, she just takes over games when she, when she needs to. But then but also, on the, I, I was going to say on, on the subject of Zaya cook, I, I think she, I, I love her. She drives me crazy because there are there are moments where she looks like an all-american and then today i and and i remember her doing this in a game last year too and i thought this is just 100 percent hero ball i mean it was just one-on-one drive to the basket in the trees and she got stuffed three or four times in the fourth quarter when we were making the comeback and it was just like Look for the shot. I mean, you could just you could see it in her eyes and the way she was dribbling. It was like she's going to take this ball to the basket. She and... ain't going to pass. <laughs> right? She is not going to pass the ball. <laughs> and then Cardoso, I throughout the game, I was hoping for her. I need her to get a mean streak, or a, aka the right. Elena Coates mean streak. I need you know you need something that she needs to play with anger because you could see the freshman when it came to clutch time. I don't think they were ready to play those last final couple minutes. And then a couple of our backups outside of Bree Hall. I mean, you got to, I guess in women's basketball, when you're playing the top five matchups, you got to stick with your starters majority of the game. And I know, I mean, UConn's been known for doing this forever. They only play seven people, you know, and I think right. for that, they kind of tightened up their bench. I think they only played, they might have played 10, but the majority of it, I don't think they had, no, they only had one person off the bench over 10 minutes. So, right. I mean, you kind of stick to your six or seven players and you go with it, but Boston gets that big shot. We go to overtime and I'm like, can we just get a lead and run with it? But no, we get down four and then shot after shot. It's like back and forth, back and forth. What were your thoughts there in overtime? Yeah, was it when we were down four? Wasn't that the didn't Bree Hall hit a three there yep. to cut it one? Yeah, yep. she hit a three. Yeah, yeah. And then it was it was really just clamping down on defense again, and it just became you know things got really weird at the end with them you know uh, forgetting how many timeouts they had, and we just missed. I think we missed four straight free throws at one point that could ice the game. Um. You know, yeah, we missed was, we missed two free throws. We we missed two free throws, and then on the and then Amaher gets the rebound, and uh, and then gets fouled again, and we missed two more free throws. Like like it was yeah. it was not great. And <laughs> we're never well, if you're a Gamecock fan, even men or women, we're never going to win a free throw contest ever. Right. Yeah. 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 There was one play where uh, Amihir 
got a rebound and got tied up for a jump ball. And they showed the replay and nobody from Stanford ever even got their hands on the ball. Right. It was just like, it was just like a scrum. And I was like, how, how do you call that a jump ball? They never even touched the ball. Well, and, we're not going uh, to yeah, talk about yeah. the rest, the touch fouls and the girls going into Boston and then calling a foul on her or Cameron Brink all night. I don't know if they call this a women's basketball. Do they call the hook? You know, when they do the hook around in the lane and men, they call it occasionally, but she yeah. was hooking all night and getting pretty much any, any call she wanted. I think it was, I, I think it was, it may have been Bree Beal. Uh, somebody was guarding her and actually got called for a foul and went to the referee and you saw her like doing the, the hook motion saying, do you not see that? She's, she's hooking me to get around me. And the referee just looked at her and said, okay. Cool. Kind of like, yeah. yeah. Like maybe I'll get it next time. But anyway, even though well, this free throws, we get the win. Go ahead, Sumter. Oh, I was just saying they did get it next time, at least on Brink, because like, like they were able to foul Brink out, which was, which was great. And you know, Boston gets in foul trouble super, super early in the game, and uh, and Brink doesn't, and then Brink ends up being much more of a problem in the second half for Stanford than Boston was for Carolina. You know, like Boston and Dawn handled her foul trouble so much better. Than, uh, than Stanford handled Brinks. And going into the game, I mean, Sumter, we were talking about in the preview show that this was the game that we circled that if you're going to lose one early on, this was the game. Because if you're looking at the non-conference schedule outside of, you know, you got UConn in February, but the rest of the non-con games you had, not usually the wheelies would have five or six ranked teams. We just had, I believe, what, three or four? If you're not, you know, just in November, December with like South Dakota State, maybe UCLA or they were right outside of it. Um, you had Maryland we already took care of. So if you took care of this game, you felt like going into January, we could go undefeated. And that was the goal. And they passed the first test of the season. Yeah, that's a, that Stanford team. Is, that's, a, that's a good basketball team, um, you know. Fairly certain, like I said, they'll they'll be in the final four, and hopefully we'll we'll be there with them. But anyway, the women get the win and seventy six seventy one, and we got to make note Boston got her double double because I think like the on air personalities they talk about Boston and they have to talk about double doubles. It's like a thing that goes together. But anyway, Boston continues that. I wish that she kept her streak alive. I think she had one game in the late in the tournament. And she didn't get one of those double doubles, but anyway, she started that back. Um, but anyway, that was the happiness of the weekend. You know, other sports we had where we found find, found some joy, but we had a little bit of joy for the women today. But now let's talk about the opposite of joy, and that is the men's basketball team in Charleston. Buck, what were your thoughts on the three-game tournament in Charleston, the Charleston Classic? I um well, I, I, since I, I I haven't been on the podcast before and and we haven't really talked about this, I, I'll tell you. I think the who, who did we play in the first game of the year? Um, South Carolina State, SC State. So we're we're probably three quarters of the way through that game against South Carolina State. I'm on a text thread with my 
uh, brother and my nephews and they're huge Gamecock fans. And, you know, we're going back and forth about the basketball game. And I said, guys, I said, be prepared. This is a, this is a 10 win team, you know, somewhere around there. And they're like, Oh, you're so pessimistic. You can you know, they, they jumped all over me about, and uh, you know, and then we beat Clemson. I'm like, okay, all right, I'll back off. You know, maybe we're better than I thought. And then, I don't know if this this weekend is probably not rock bottom, but it, it's about as bad as it can get. You know, losing to Colorado State, fine. You know, tournament team last year, uh, very disciplined, uh, good shooting team. Losing to Davidson, you know, Davidson is perennial, perennially a pretty good mid-major, nothing to be ashamed of. But then to just get drilled by Furman today and just be lifeless and, you know, we can't shoot, we can't defend, we can't rebound. Um, you know, besides that, I think we're going to be pretty good. <laughs> well, I made a comment on Twitter of that South Carolina State game. I was like, is South Carolina State picked to, you know, win the MEAC? And after looking yeah. at the preseason predictions, they were not. So anyway, that was the first worry of the year. and. I guess going into the year, you know, Gigi had to get his points, but in basketball, you kind of need to, hang, I think, have three people that get in, you know, double digits that need to carry the team. And we were talking earlier in the year, you had to have Michi go off, Gigi go off, Hayden Brown, and then, you know, you need to have occasional fourth guy go off. And Michi's been kind of injured all year. I don't want to blame his play on injuries, but he kind of hasn't been fully healthy. And I don't know about you, I'm getting tired of the 30 foot three. Can we go a little bit closer or try to drive the basket? That's getting a little bit old. But outside of that, it's really early on. It's been Gigi doing his thing. Chico Cardner kind of coming out of nowhere. You know, he was in right. the Frank doghouse last year. He had that one game against Clemson last year. And then, you know, we play him this year. And he he can make a jump shot. He can make a three-pointer. And then Hayden Brown, we called him, the you know, one of the SoCon All-Stars that we almost got with him and Malachi Smith but he ended up going to Gonzaga. Hayden Brown, I was expecting him to be more consistent and early on not consistent. Anyway, what are your thoughts on those guys? Yeah, uh, I don't know. You know, going one by one, you know, Michi has probably been about what I expected. Uh, he, he was maybe a little bit, even a little bit better uh, until he hurt his ankle. Um, you know, Gigi... My gosh, every once in a while, I think, what if we didn't have Gigi? You know, what if we didn't get him? How bad would this be? And you can see the raw talent there with Gigi. And, and sometimes a lot of these five stars come in and they can, they can average 20, 25 points a game. And Gigi's just not that guy yet. We, we need him to be, but he, you know, he doesn't shoot well enough. He has good moves around the basket. He can get to the basket. He can drive the lane. He, I feel like he turns the ball over about half the time. He has a smaller guy on him uh, just because he's, he's got a high dribble. Um, but he's far and away our best player, obviously. Uh, but he can't just carry this team the way it needs to be needs to be carried. And I'm really frustrated with Hayden Brown. I, I almost tweeted something about him today. Um, not mean or you know but we, we have this policy that we don't like go after you know the student athletes that's the one thing we we try not to do with our you know we will mention if they're not playing well or something like that and I had kind of a 
a tweet that I thought was borderline about Hayden Brown that I deleted and I never, I never did send, but um, he was bad today. I, I mean, he, he has been inconsistent. He hasn't, he hasn't been what I thought he would be to date. And, and he was just, he was not good at all today. He can, he can consistently get a charge. I will say that, but outside yeah. of that, like uh, he's missing free throws and struggling to finish around the rim. He can get to the rim, but it's the, you know, being a little, a few inches short and he just rolls off the rim almost every time right around. And so that's been a little frustrating. Sumter, what were your thoughts on those guys? So, I, I, with Hayden Brown, you know, he is coming off of that hamstring injury, and it's possible that he just doesn't feel 100%. And that can get in your head. You know, he's been a little soft going up for finishes around the rim where he's not dunking the ball. He's And then he ends up missing layups and stuff. Like, he had a bad miss against Clemson that almost cost us the game. And, um, you know, it's possible that he's going to get a little better as the season goes along. Um Chico's been very pleasant surprise as to how consistently good he is. He's been, he is, and that he can make a shot. Um, I really want to know where this was last year and why he wasn't, you know, in the game more. And then, um, and then Michi, I think it's kind of what Buck was saying. Like he's he is what he is, and if he is what I think I expected him to be too. He's going to be taking these, you, you know deep, deep three-pointers that are going to drive us crazy and try to and try to hit them. And hopefully that just some of this weekend with him trying to tough it out on a bad angle. Well, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we so sorely miss scoring punch. I, I, I wish Josh Gray played as well as he looked, you know, in a uniform. We would be – we would be in good shape, but – I, I've never seen a guy seven foot tall who is as reluctant to to dunk the ball as he is, and who is just I, I don't know. I, I, I got in a back and forth with I a guy last year. I, I, there there was a guy last year on Twitter who said something about uh, Josh Gray being you know a future NBA player, and I said there is no chance that guy he, you know he may prof- play professionally in like you know. Bulgaria or something like that, but there, he has no chance in the in the G League in the NBA and the you know a guy that big, and they talk about how athletic he is and he played soccer growing up and everything and he's just not it, man. He's just not it. So I think this is probably the biggest problem with the team is that Josh Gray isn't able to play more than half the game. Right. Um, Again, going all the way back to what you were saying against SC State, when it was clear that this team was really struggling, and the biggest struggle that they're having is uh, paint defense, is defense down low. We're, we're basically playing Gigi at center and Aiden Brown at the four. The two of them should be our best two wing defenders, but we have to put them down low. And so it's just crippling us on defense all the way around. And – it's going to be a long SEC season if if the tallest guy out there on, on the court for us in crunch time is Gigi Jackson. And then you, if you think about it, whenever Josh Gray's not in, you got either Gigi playing the five, or I, I'm gonna call him BBJ because I'm gonna butcher his name. But the transfer from Illinois, who's built like a truck, 
Um, I, I call him a more muscular Michael Carrera. He's built like I think zero body fat and that guy can push people around, but it's all about finishing at the basket and you don't have gray in there. Gigi, he can play the three, the four, the five, maybe even all positions, but I think he's comfortable at the four, but when you have to play him out of position and then he feels he needs to take over, I mean, give the guy a pick, but outside of that, I mean, he'll score and do his thing. When he wants to drive and go to the lane, he can do it. But I'm a little worried for the big men. I'm a little worried about the guards. You know, we lost with Iba Diva, the transfer, the coastal got hurt. I, yeah. I just felt like that was a nail in the coffin for, you know, guard play this year because you really depended on Jacoby Wright and Chico and Michi to be the guards. And right. early on, not so good. But, you know, this team's young. Can they grow? Sure. There's a reason we were picked 14th, uh, but I think when this excitement around Gigi kind of juiced us up a little bit to where, man, we got the best player. Man, in basketball, the best player can win games that's on the court, but early on, not the not what we wanted to see, but Colorado State beating us by 30-plus points. It was bringing me flashbacks of the Coastal Carolina game in Conway last year. Yeah. And then they then they turned around and uh, College of Charleston turned around and beat them by ten, you know, like the next day. And I was like, okay, well, great. So we're what are we the fourth best team in the state now? Oh man, I don't even like want that. to get in. Well, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> hey, we're better than Clemson. We're better than Clemson. Right. Well, what does that say about Clemson? I mean, they were picked I think eleventh or twelfth in ACC preseason. I mean. We beat them, and it was low scoring, which I feel like if we're going to win games this year, it's going to be around the 60-point mark where we got to hold teams on defense. But when we play teams that have athletic big men that can drive, score, I mean, we got pushed around. Those Colorado State guys, Davidson, those tall athletic guys that just pushed us around. Like fundamentals. All of them had fundamentals. And I don't know if I want to say we lack fundamentals, but we're not – playing like we know what we're doing sometimes they kind of just looking around like looking at each other like are you going to step up am I going to step up it's just a little frustrating with big men right we lack big men with fundamentals we like big men with fundamentals so we've got uh it's funny I I was looking at the roster it's it's kind of funny and I did this before the season started I kind of scrolled through the roster and I got to the end of the roster and I was like wait a minute that's it (laughs) <laughs> and I just I just did the same thing. I pulled it up on my phone. So uh, the kid Deba is he out for the year? Yeah, he tore his Achilles, but he said he's probably going to return next year. He still has a full year to play. Yeah. So you know, Jacoby Wright is serviceable. Chico has probably exceeded expectations this year. Uh, you know, we talked about Michi and Hayden Brown. Trayvon Manat has not sniffed the court this year from what I've, I haven't seen every minute of every game he's put he put in some good minutes on Frank's teams at times and I would I would almost take my chances with him out there instead of Josh Gray um but Zach Davis and uh the, the other kid um Hank and Sanford Hank and Sanford both look very athletic they look apart the they look very um they're offensively challenged I guess they they don't uh they don't look to they don't look to score and I think at some point if they have that ability I mean they're gonna have to 
you know, bring an offensive game to the table, you know, if they have any ability whatsoever. Cause, cause I agree with you. We're, we're, you know, we're going to probably average 62 points a game, you know, and that's not going to beat most of the teams we're going to play this year. We got to have some, we, we got to have another score step up somewhere. Man, at least L- Lamont's not playing 20 guys or 15 guys. He's sticking to his eight, nine rotation, which most division one college coaches play instead of the Frank Martin church basketball, make sure the parents see their kid play. Right. Walk on right. play. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen Eli Sparkman get in recently. I know he played or he played, I think he played against Clemson a little bit, didn't he? Played a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, well, you know, we were hoping to win two and then today we're like, let's steal one. And I mean, losing to 20 to Bob Ritchie and Furman, it's not good to lose to the smaller schools in the state by 20 or even 19. It was flashbacks of the old uh, days that we like to forget of the last couple seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Tough, tough weekend for the men. But next game for the men, I believe they got upstate on Black Friday. I saw Chico Carter rolled his ankle late in the game. Um, I turned the TV off. I was getting frustrated about listening to it on the radio. And uh, hopefully he'll be okay. And then I don't know if we need to keep Michi down for, you know, in a boot or rest him for a week or two. I feel like this is the time to do it and actually get him fully healthy going into the year because we can't, we got to win some of these non-conference games because SEC play is going to be brutal. Yeah, there's no question. And I, I haven't really paid any attention to what the other SEC teams are doing at this point, but uh, it, it's it's going to be tough. I'm going to I'm going to uh, text my brother and nephews back and say, "Hey, ten wins may have been a stretch." Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they can. We got to get them in November like, and December. Yeah, right. I feel like right. I feel like Gigi is going to figure out that he's the best player on the court and start taking yeah. over, but that's going to come with time. Um, but he, he, I mean. He's 17. What would you be doing if you were 17 buck playing college basketball? I know that, that that's what I keep having to remember is, is how young he is. But uh, you know, another thing that I meant to mention earlier was uh, Gigi seems to, I, I noticed it particularly against Clemson. It looked like our offense was getting pushed, you know, way out, you know, and Gigi gets the ball 30 feet from the basket. You know, and I, I think the last few games he's been down in the paint. He's been posting up more, getting a little close to a little closer to the basket. But uh, you know, I I'm just tired of our of, of Gamecock basketball not particularly having what looks like any kind of an offensive philosophy. You know, at, at least when we had Darren Horn, at least used to run the weave. You know, he he'd run a mean weave. He loved the weave. <laughs> but yeah with frank's later teams and then this team it's just kind of hard to figure out what we're what we're trying to do it's a lot of one-on-one stuff going on you know yeah i uh i definitely agree with you and there's been there's some things that are very pleasant about paris uh that are a nice change of pace from frank but some of this offense it it looks the same you know, like it's it's similar, and particularly when you when you all three teams we, we played down in Charleston with screens and back cuts and 
you know, they would get wide open layups or dunks, you know, just based on the motion that they're running, uh, you know, on the offensive end. And it's like, you know, I, I, I hate to, you know, when you're, when you're a fan, you just notice the kind of things that other teams do that you don't. And it's not, you know, it's probably not as bad as it seems, but it just seems like it's like, we never get a wide open shot. We never get a wide open layup. We never get a dunk, you know, and there, there's at some point somebody's going to set a screen that sets a guy free for, for an easy shot. And there, I mean, there just seem to be no easy shots. I honestly, we just need a guy. I know we got spoiled with Thornwell his senior year, but a guy that can just drive to the basket and get fouled every time or score. We don't have that guy unless GG gets some space and then no one's going to get in front of him. Right, right. But anyway, we got an update on Friday. Um, then we have the tour of D.C. with George Washington and Georgetown. If uh, George Washington is bad as they used to be in the past, that can maybe be a win. And then Georgetown, you know, we were scared going to that Georgetown game last year. Patrick Ewing. The, the Kimbe Matumbo's kid, and then was it Tracy McGrady's kid? And we kind of pushed them around, so I'm curious to see what they're going to be. So I feel like we got to start getting a couple wins, or you don't want to go into SEC play with a losing record. That would be yeah, a lose-lose situation. Yeah, Georgetown got whipped pretty bad by somebody they shouldn't have gotten whipped by. I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh, well, they, they just beat LaSalle. Um, Ramon Galloway would be mad about that. Yeah, right. right. Is he still there? Did, no, did Kobe give him enough years? No. <laughs> he's on his eighth year. They called him Mr. Unnecessary Dunk. Just dunking right. everywhere. Yeah. No, but if he, it's oh. funny. If we ever did a game called, you know, like, you know, how if we had like a bingo of keeping up with Frank's former players that have, you know, transferred – I think there's like 12 players that you can keep up with right now that are still playing. Even a friend of the pod, uh, uh, our buddy uh, Todd, uh, who owns Rainbow's Fat Cat Biscuits in, in Columbia, we call him his boy, Felipe Hasta. He's had his sixth year. You know, he transferred out, went to Mercer, and now he's at Southern Miss. They beat Maryland. I mean, they beat Vanderbilt. They beat Vanderbilt. Hasta had 14 points. But Hase, I was hoping that we'd bring him in. But anyway, you just, you know, from Trey Hannibal at LSU to you have uh, Devin Carter at in Providence. I mean, just imagine it. And, you know, Keyshawn Bryant at, at uh, South Florida. Imagine if some of these guys stick around, you know, came back or stuck around. And right. you don't know if Frank told them to. It's always the thing. Did Frank tell them to leave or they said they're moving on? You don't really know what right. happened. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I I thought today for the first time I'm like, would we be you know two and three if Frank was still here? You know who would who would still be on the team? Who would have left anyway? You know I think you know based on Frank's track record, at least half those guys would have left anyway. You know whether he stayed or or was gone. So yeah, and Frank uh, Frank won a tournament this weekend. Hey, the Myrtle Beach, of course, he had to come back down and stick it to us. Uh, beat Colorado, <laughs> who beat Kentucky. But then earlier in the week, he lost to Towson. I think they're in the MEAC, too. So right. Frank did, yeah. as Sumter says, the pulls the full Frank Martin can lose to anybody that's bad and beat anybody that's ranked. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 
and and uh, and he did it the whole way, playing Brandon Martin more than Will Drinkle's act. Like, <laughs> hey, and I feel bad for those <laughs> UMass fans. Brandon Martin's starting as a walk-on at UMass over scholarship players. I'll never get over that. People say, you know, so uh, my buddies at work that listen to the pod, they go, you know, Frank can't hurt you anymore. Well, every time I see Brandon Martin starting for UMass, it just hurts me for them. I'm right. starting a walk-on over scholarship players. I'll never get over that. Brian Steele, we called him the Steel Curtain, ruined Frank Martin because he played a walk-on that actually did decent. And after right. that, it was an accepted principle of playing walk-ons, not in, you know. Yeah, well, you're going to play for Frank Martin. I, I love the walk-ons. Those kids work harder than everybody. Oh, God. Steele, Steele, is, the only, Steele is the only point that Frank – correctly proved it's the only time he ever proved a point in in that the walk-ons are better than you he put him in and steel was better (laughs) oh i can only go up from here guys i hope well um i did want to mention between both teams i can say this that the modern exterminating we know what bugs you bugging us this week is free throw shooting for the men's and the women i think both of them are either at 50% or right below. And uh, that's got to improve eventually. I thought it was just the, you know, either Frank for the men or Dawn has these stars. I mean, they're five stars, you know what I mean, for the women. And we can't constant. I mean, how many times can you name on one hand uh, players making both free throws at a session? It's there's there's nobody you can trust you know when when it came down to foul time today I was kind of looking at the court and you know Zaya Cook should be the person you trust the most right and I feel I I know she's a much better free throw shooter but I feel like she shoots about 30 percent from the line she misses every free throw I ever watch her take and then Saxton got up there she missed two you know, well, they Beal. put the graphic. They put the graphic on her. She was nine of ten for the year. I go. She's missing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. The, the women are good enough to overcome it. Uh, the the men the men need those free throws just to stay within you know twenty points of the of the competition. Well, hopefully the men can make free throws and get competitive and start winning some games. Sumter, you got anything else for this week's episode? That's it, really, man. Um, just hopefully this. Hopefully the ankle injuries for Carter and, and Michi aren't bad, or else it's gonna get bleak. Well, you just gotta find your joy in other, you know, other areas in life. So I, I mean, it's Gamecocks basketball only. I know, but hey, that was a big win for the football team. Last oh night. man, was... I lost my voice. That's, I'm glad we delayed the pod when I was recording this because. My voice was gone this morning, but uh, you know, good. It was a good yeah. win. Hopefully, they'll inspire the basketball or the men's basketball team to keep winning or trying to right. win women because the women are fantastic and Dawn can do what she wants. And I'm assuming that we haven't built her a statue yet. We need to. I think we've named a straight yeah. answer already. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be one coming after she wins five or six more national titles. All right, guys. Well, uh, Buck, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you have fun and you'll come back. Uh, we, you know, the only pod that talks about basketball more than five minutes. 
Now, yeah. I, hey, I, I'll tell you what, guys, and I mean this sincerely. You guys uh, fill a big need, you know, in the Carolina sports community. I, I think we we don't talk about basketball enough, and uh, you know, I, I've known Chicken Hoops for about ten years, and he used to do a great job on Garnet Black Attack, writing about basketball, and you know, knows his analytics in and out. And he, he hasn't, uh, you know, life got in the way for him too. And uh, he hasn't been, you know, writing or doing as much with it. So I, I can tell you that I certainly appreciate you guys and what you do uh, in the, in the basketball arena um, uh, for, for Gamecock sports. So glad to have you. I appreciate you having me. We will. We're, we're hopefully going to be getting chicken hoops on this pie soon too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy knows what he's talking about. Me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a touchy feely guy. He's like a, he's a, he's an analytics guy. So um, he's he's much he's much smarter than I am. <laughs> well, we try to bring in the Ken Palm every now and then. At least talk about Ken Palm. Sumter's our right. Ken Palm guy. Yeah. Good All stuff. right. Well, uh, that's it for this week's pod. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back again next Sunday, hopefully for some more wins for you know the men's and women's basketball team. For Sumter, me and Buck, we're out of here. Go Cox. <laughs>